Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin, and with me in the studio, I have Toby Openshaw, who is a documentary filmmaker from South Africa, and he's been here in Taiwan for 18 years. Well, hello, Toby. Hi, Shirley. Yes, good to have you again. Mm-hmm, my <laughs> because pleasure. actually, it was maybe like two or three years ago yeah, when I first about interviewed three you. Years ago, yes. Yes, and I think you've been doing great things because people have been telling me, "Oh, interview Toby." <laughs> you know, I'm going like. I have interviewed him before. Well, I think you should still interview him again. <laughs> well, I've been doing many things. I don't know about how great, but many things, yes. <laughs> Can I safely say that almost all expats in Taiwan know Toby Openshaw? Well, Can I safely say I that? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> about that. But yeah, I, what I do get a lot, I have to say, I get a lot of like people, I meet someone who goes, Hey, Toby, how are you? And I'm like, uh, who, who are, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, people know you already before they actually meet right, you, I guess. Right. So you've been here from South Africa, in here in Taiwan, for 18 years. Right. And what brought you here? Mm, I came by airplane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I appreciate yeah. that Taiwanese joke from you. <laughs> okay. um, well, you know, uh, 18 years ago, South Africa was uh, really had major issues in terms of crime and the economy was really bad. Um, it was just sort of a major shakeup politically. And then especially the crime, because the, 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 the gap between the haves and the have-nots in South Africa has, has not been filled in, you know. And unfortunately today, it's still the case. I wanted a place where it was safe for my three children to grow up. And I had some friends who were already living and teaching English in Taiwan at that time. They told us, uh, oh, we're going to go to Taiwan and we're going to earn so much money and it's going to be so great. <laughs> and we thought, oh, yeah, we'll see you back here in six months' time. And then they came back a year later and they said, it's all true. You must come you know <laughs> and yes and it's been really great taiwan has been very very good to us it really is one of the safest countries in the world the other thing that i that I, that's really great for me about taiwan is how it just always is improving you know many places in the world you feel it's sort of on a downward spiral but taiwan you always feel it's stepping up stepping up stepping up in terms of environment in terms of transportation in the city quality of life here is very very high before we go on though can we talk about the story Mm-hmm. that has made an impact on you. I know I always ask my guests about that. You know, I was thinking about that, and, and one of the things that came to my mind was when I was in elementary school in South Africa, my dad paints sort of for, as a hobby. He does watercolors and so on. And so I grew up with an appreciation for art. But it was always, we talked about the skill of a painter in showing a scene as it really is, you know. So those paintings, you get those hyper-realistic paintings of the sea escapes or landscapes and so on. That was the sort of thing that my dad would talk about. Wow, it looks just like the real life. And then one day, I was with a teacher of mine and we, he was sort of paging through a book of art uh, which had a whole variety of things. And one of them was a Impressionist painting uh, which unfortunately I can't remember by whom, but it was just this round circle for a face and these two big round circles for eyes and a big mouth. And I looked at that and I said, huh, you know, that looks like it was painted by a six-year-old. And then he said, yes, but look, this painting is called crying. And if you look at it, isn't that what you feel like when you're crying? Your head is all big and swollen and your eyes are just these two big lumps and your mouth is sort of just swollen and big. And you know, it was really that light bulb moment, that ping, where I went, yes, you can actually 
show or paint or draw something that you feel rather than just what you see. And that has really stayed with me throughout my life is that there are different layers and different levels to what we see and what we experience in the world. You know, giving people an impression of what we feel rather than just purely what we see is actually a very, very high artistic and skillful um, thing to be able to do. And so uh, my photography and my films tend to be very naturalistic. But at the back of it, I always have that idea in my head that what I'm trying to do is to show people how things feel and not just purely the surface of what they look like. Wow. I feel like I just had a precious lesson <laughs> taken from you. Yeah, no, that was really a very special moment for me. And, you know, I don't think my teacher, that teacher will probably went to his grave not knowing that he had a real little life-changing moment with me there. Well, you can still write it down as a memoir. Right. Yeah, yeah of your teacher. So that, thank you for reminding me of that. Right, mm-hmm. right. Before you came to Taiwan, you're already a photographer. A video cameraman, yes. Oh, video cameraman. Mm. Okay, professional one? Yes. Yeah. Freelance, but out of work. And that's why I came here. <laughs> Yeah, and our work was really getting hard to find. You know, you know, political shifts always have economic implications, right? So, for instance, in that case, the South African Broadcasting Corporation, TV, a TV broadcaster, uh, laid off all their program cameramen because they were cutting uh, funds. And so suddenly this flood of camera, very experienced cameramen came onto the market. And so for sort of lower level freelancers like me, the jobs just dried up, you know. So it's just mm-hmm. a simple little economic measure, but it has a lot of effects on people, you know. And so, yeah, so I'm here. So were there other compatriots that came along with you to Taiwan? Yeah, there were actually a lot of South Africans who came to Taiwan during really? that period. Yeah, okay. Mostly came to teach English because that was the, that's the easiest thing to get into here at first. But some of us, like myself, managed to you know break free of that sort of orbit and and make a living for ourselves in Taiwan. Other than teaching, that we might might really be passionate about. But what you and your wife did was really bold. I mean, you came without promising you a job, right? We had support from friends, and that's one thing that South Africans tend to do is they help each other out, So, mm. um, and we pay it forward, you know. So I had friends who helped me to come here, and then I helped other friends to come here as well. So I wasn't completely without a support system, but yes, uh, you know, we basically sold off everything and came with just suitcases and, uh, and started a life completely from scratch with two young boys, you know. I'm sure you heard of choices for other countries to go right. to, but why Taiwan? So the choices for a South African at that time would have been Canada, Australia, New Zealand, or the UK, or the US. And all of those countries have pretty high uh, requirements for you to get in. So to get a green card or to get uh, into like Canada, they have point systems and so on. So uh, a full immigration process at that time was pretty hard and uh, those countries were also trying to keep out people so it was they were really making it hard for people to immigrate. So quite honestly Taiwan was one of the easiest options to get into. Now 18 years later I'm very happy that I'm not living in any of those countries, you know. <sighs> Taiwan has been very very good to us in terms of just the social environment that we live in here and the people, you know, this is a society that cares for people and just every day you see people doing little random acts of kindness. When we compare that to the the anger and the frustration that we see in many other countries these days, then I'm very, very happy to be here. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. 
you know, it seems like out of all the choices, Taiwan was the only one that's non-English speaking country.、So. I didn't know what to expect, really. I guess I thought Taiwan was mostly rice paddies and temples.、Um, <laughs> it used to be, yeah.、Uh, you're I, right. I, yeah. I, when I came to Taoyuan, it was still very much sort of just concrete blocks, of houses, and buildings, and rice paddies. We actually lived right on the edge of the city. But yeah, no, Taiwan's development since then has been really great, and it's become a lot more friendly and easier for foreigners to to get around in Taiwan.、Yeah. Mm, that I agree. I'm curious, how big is the South African community here in Taiwan? Hard to say. The official numbers doesn't seem right. The official numbers say five thousand, but I'm pretty、oh. sure there there must be more than、okay. that. Okay. South Africans are pretty dispersed around Taiwan. Many South Africans like to live more in rural areas, so many of them are、so. down down south and so on. And they kind of stay under the radar, but they're known for working hard and just putting their heads down and getting the job done. You know. I grew up in the in the days of apartheid in South Africa, and so as a white Afrikaans speaking South African, my culture carries a lot of baggage with it, and so it's really something I'd rather not be reminded of. You know,、mm. so I've pretty much just reinvented myself or re-identified myself as an international citizen, and I'm just in Taiwan and doing my thing here. So you came to Taiwan.、Mm. And then I'm sure you start looking for a job. What was the first thing you landed on, and、right. how was that whole process? So yes, my friends、uh, lined me up with a job pretty soon. So I started teaching kindergarten. You oh,、know? you did! You I did, did.、Okay. for a year. Yes, I taught kindy, but you know I decided very quickly that I was too old for that. <laughs> anyway, and then I got a job with the same school group. It was a, a chain of schools as the editor for their kids' English magazine. That was a lot of fun. I I basically single-handedly produced an English language magazine for kids that they could use in the class. Classroom every month, and in fact, we had a radio show going with it as well. Once a week, go and record the,、uh, five days worth of、uh, radio, uh, oh, and、right. then on Thursday nights we had a live call in. So I would have the kids call in and they say, "Hello, how are you? My name is Johnny." You know,、oh, that is so cool. <laughs> that was quite fun. So yeah, so I enjoyed that. After a few years, I got a job with Corel, the software company, consumer、uh-huh. video editing and photo editing software. So that was right up my alley.、Yeah. I was the marketing communications manager for them. Oh, that is great!、Mm. With that, I got to travel quite a bit. Went abroad to do press tours and so on for the software. So then you were with that company for nine years, and,、right. and then after that, and then I started. I got the job that I have now, which is with Taipei American School. The school actually uses Corel software, so I went to visit there a few times, giving demonstrations and so on, and teaches how to use the software. And so when the videographer for the school retired, he、uh, he recommended me for the job, and I and I took it because. Uh, Corel was、uh, undergoing some major changes here and so on. So, and I realized that working for a school would be great. It's a、um, it's a great environment, and working with students, you know, with older students and who have a passion for film, and so have I. So that was that was really great. Sorry, can you explain what the software does? It's so it's video editing software. A so video editing yeah, so software. So basically, you shoot your video, then you import it into the computer, and then you can cut it up and add audio and things like that. And Taipei American School, they, they have, do videos. Yes, they have.、Uh, every、oh. student actually has the video editing software on their laptop. Every student has a laptop. And okay. Then, yeah, and then we have a film class as well. So we've been going doing the film class for three years now. Oh, I see. And、uh, I'm not directly teaching it. We actually have a full-time film teacher now. But I just help out occasionally with that. Yeah, so we have two classes: a junior and a senior class in film, and our students have gone on to film school in the U.S.、Yeah. So you're doing that,、mm. but then on the side,、yeah. you're doing what you love to do. Yeah, documentary film. Yeah. Yes.、Yeah. 
Now, that has always been what you've been doing? Or yes, uh, that was, but always on the side. You know, filmmaking okay. doesn't pay uh, yeah. unless you're in a certain bracket, which I'm not. So I've always done it on the side. Uh, on the weekends, I'm shooting. On the, In the evenings, I'm editing. Because I don't have to do that for a living, I can choose my projects and I can pay for them out of my own pocket and not have to beg for money and mm. things like that. I, I like to tell stories, so that's what I do, you know. So what you do is that you pick your own topics and you make these videos mm. and then you offer it to media that wants to use it, right? So I remember the very, very first one that you did that was a very Taiwanese topic was about the beetle nut beauties. That's right. Yes, yes. I think that's how Taiwan got to know Toby Openshaw for the right. very first time. Yeah, that kind of hit a nerve and everybody... Uh, paid attention to that so you know in Taiwan we have the young girls sitting by the side of the road in glass boxes selling betel nut to passing drivers 18 years ago when I came here it was still a very controversial subject and so I started uh, trying to find out what is the real story behind this and it became a sort of a, a long-term project I, I covered that for more than 10 years you know oh you did and I followed one of the girls for 10 years yeah just sort of telling their stories and making sure people understand that they're also just human beings and not sort of some object sitting in a box you know and so I had several photo exhibitions about that and uh, a short film and uh, got featured on many channels and so on that business is really declining a lot these days you mean the beat on that business yeah yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was wanting to put together a book, make a follow-up film and things like that. But it's really become much smaller and not so controversial. So I don't think there's really much uh, market for that anymore. Would you say that you're someone who likes to do controversial topics? Not necessarily controversial, but, but what, I'm, what I'm about really, and it's kind of very simple, you know, it's just I like to tell people stories, especially people who, who don't get to tell their own stories or don't have the resources maybe. So it's, you know, the, the, the cliche is I'm a voice for the voiceless. But that really is what it's about is I enjoy stories and telling stories and so if there are people who I believe are misunderstood or people don't really look at them in reality and uh, then uh, I'm keen to tell their story you know so do you find them where they come to you say they want to tell their stories or you ask them in terms of the bitternut girls uh, I went out to them for sure and I would always take a Chinese speaking female assistant with me who would just chit chat with the girls and and really get them to open up you know mm. sometimes they would be reticent to talk or to be photographed or things like that but what once they realize that, that you are sincere about telling their story uh, people tend to open up well there's a twist to that story next week i'll be back with toby openshaw for him to tell the rest of that story and more for in the spotlight i'm shirley lynn <laughs> 